Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they put out. And while they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. A gale swept on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased and there was calm. Jesus said to the disciples, where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. May my words and all our thoughts be acceptable to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. In the year 1208, the King of England was disputing with the Pope about who'd be the next Archbishop of Canterbury. Things got pretty bad, so the Pope decided to impose an interdict on the whole of England and Wales. For five years, there was no public worship and people couldn't be buried in consecrated ground. Baptisms, however, could continue. This was eventually sorted out and the pattern of worship got back to normal. People got back to church. Since then, we've had the Black Death, the Reformation, the Civil War and the Commonwealth, World Wars, and now we are where, today, where we are today. Through all of that, worship continued what come what may. There might have been changes in how it happened, but it continued. So actually, until the pandemic, for 800 years, we had continued worship in churches. As we know, in the last couple of years, we've had unprecedented restrictions on what we can do. Who'd have thought five years ago that people would be told they couldn't freely leave their houses or have other people in them. Children couldn't go to school or even to the playground 
or people had to wear face coverings when they went out. So it feels to me like society has been in crisis mode, justifying all kinds of impositions, restrictions on people's freedoms. We've been in a time of crisis and commands. In our Gospel this morning, we have Jesus in a boat with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And what blows up is the first century equivalent of Storm Eunice. Uh, high waves, <laughs> uh, 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 strong winds, they are terrified. What do they do? They cry out, Master. Not uh, Saviour or Rabbi, but Master. This is a word the disciples often used in Luke to address Jesus suggesting that he is the person who is in control and can solve situations when they get nasty. Jesus, of course, is sleeping. Why could he possibly be doing this at a time of crisis? Surely he should have been awake, rushing around, issuing commands, getting things done. Well, let's remember this is a boat on the water. Water in the Bible, as we know, is a symbol of chaos and disorder. It's tamed and ordered during the creation of the world in Genesis 1. And at the end of that, uh, God rests on the seventh day, just as Jesus sleeps in the boat while the disorder is continuing. So this suggests probably that Jesus' sleep actually isn't negligent, but he is participating in this divine rest that shows that creation has finished and there actually is order in the world, regardless of what it might seem. Of course, Jesus has been pretty busy. At the start of chapter 8 in Luke, we hear that he's been healing people, commanding illnesses out of people. He's also been expelling evil spirits from people, commanding them to go out of people. And when he wakes up, as we know from what was just read by David, he commands the wind and the waves and they obey him. The storm stills. So Jesus commands the elements, he commands evil spirits, and he commands illnesses. But he doesn't command people. Jesus doesn't command the disciples to do something or other. Rather, he says, why do you not have more faith? Why do you not have this thing freely given, a free response to the fact that you have the Lord in the boat with you? Faith, of course, is something that can never be commanded. We never see anywhere in the Gospels Jesus commanding someone to have faith. Rather, he draws them into relationship with him and into dialogue. It's also worth thinking that on a boat, there's not that much you can do on a small boat. Thinking back to when we were on a holiday on the Isles of Scilly, going around between the islands on small boats, you pretty much have just to sit down and wait till you reach your destination. So we can imagine the disciples there being told to have faith but actually not being able to rush around and do things, actually just needing to sit there and reflect. 
Maybe this is something we've lost a bit of in society during the pandemic. We've developed the idea that people need to be commanded and we need quick responses to things. However, to plagiarise several mindfulness gurus, don't just do something, sit there. <laughs> now we move on to the wonderful uh, description of worship, probably a Eucharist, in, in Revelation. There are some references to things we recognise, the white-robed figures uh, and the torches. Even the seating arrangements, our clergy don't sit behind the altar, but this was an ancient way that it happened. And if you go to Norwich Cathedral today, uh, you'll see the bishops thrown behind the altar and seating for the other clergy around it. So we can imagine this as a worship scene. And here we also have God's lordship over creation demonstrated. The thunder and lightning aren't disrupting the worship. People aren't running for cover. Rather, they are coming from the throne, showing God's lordship over the whole of creation. And we have the four creatures uh, singing, holy, holy, holy. The four creatures, as we know, often seen as representing the four gospels. The man representing Matthew, who gives us a human genealogy of Jesus. The lion from Mark. Uh, John the Baptist as the lion roaring in the wilderness. Luke's ox reminding us that Jesus is sacrificial. And the wonderful image of John's eagle soaring all above the others, placing them in theological context from a distance. And we hear that the creation is by God's own will. And the elders, the presbyters who are there, are not uh, seeking to command anyone else. Rather, they are casting down their crowns before the throne and looking at the figure on it and bowing down in worship. So we may place ourselves this morning on the boat with Jesus as one of the unnamed disciples or in this wonderful worshipping mass before the throne of God, or maybe both. In any case, we're reminded that with, in the Eucharist that we're here for this morning, this is the day of creation, the first day when God began to bring the world into being. It's also the day of new creation, the day of resurrection, when we also encounter Christ's body as Mary Magdalene did when she went to the garden early in the morning. We join our voices with the angelic song, holy, 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 not just the ministers, but all of us. In several of our Eucharistic prayers, we are, we are, we are told, therefore, with angels and archangels, let us join in singing the heavenly song. Isn't it wonderful that we can join in the song of heaven when we meet together to share Christ's body? I know how many of us here love the Eucharist. Like Mary Magdalene, we want to come early on Sunday to worship and celebrate, even if we don't know what we're going to experience. How wonderful it was for her 
that she came afraid, uncertain, but entered into dialogue with Christ and came into contact with his body. Let us give thanks that we do that today and that amidst all the commands and chaos of life, the Lord draws us into free relational faith with Jesus.